Thanks for tuning into this episode. BBB presents Tips and Tricks from a Marketing Veteran, featuring Mike Dawson, Vice President of Marketing at BBB Cincinnati. In this special episode, Sarah Kemmerer talks with Mike about pre-digital marketing and trend projections for the future of one of the most rapidly evolving industries in the world. Welcome everyone to 2021. We're back with an exciting lineup of episodes for the year that will air every other Friday. So make sure you rate and subscribe to BBB Presents on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can also follow us at BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now that we have the business out of the way, I'm very excited to welcome Mike Dawson to our first episode of 2021. Mike has worked at BBB for 15 years and has been our Vice President of Marketing and Communications for 11. Quick BBB disclaimer, the the opinions expressed on this episode do not represent our employer. So throughout his career, Mike has worked with countless ad agencies around the Cincinnati area and is well known in the community as a seasoned marketing veteran, if you could say. Mike's work has received local, regional, and national American Advertising Awards, and Mike himself has been awarded a Business Career Second Act Award in 2015. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for the kind words. I'm so excited to have one of our own as a guest today to talk about how far advertising and marketing has come and where it'll go within the upcoming years, considering how groundbreaking 2020 was. So to start off, Mike, can you tell us a little bit about the agencies you've worked at and what your career has consisted of up until now? Well, I usually start off by saying every agency I ever worked for is no longer in business. (laughs) I'm sure that's somewhat true. Uh, Many of them have changed names or have merged. Mm -hmm. But I worked for Stockton West Burkhart on the Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburger account. I worked a long time for Sive Y&R, and my client was CompuServe, which was the precursor to the Internet. Uh, I've worked with a smaller agency called Dectus and Eager, and I also had my own agency, Acme, and we were located in Walnut Hills. So you started in advertising before digital marketing was ever a thing. The whole pre-digital process used to take a few days or even weeks when you were creating and executing a campaign. So you had your copywriter and your art director in the huddle room with you and your client. Then it takes time to draft that campaign and wait for that ad to get approved. Then you send the ad to get printed and finally wait for the ad to get distributed. Nowadays, you have graphic designers in the huddle room at that very first stage that can quickly craft exactly what everyone is is envisioning. Then you have a campaign executed on social media within that day. So do you see digital advertising as the way of marketing for the future? And what do you think it'll look like past 2025? Well, digital marketing is here to stay. It's obvious. Um, what it would, what will it look like um, five years from now? It's hard to say because it's rapidly changing every day, it seems like. New products are coming out, interesting ways to highly target uh, a message to a specific audience. Uh, there's something called geo-targeting, uh, and that's the ability to deliver messages to cell phones at a very tight, specific geographic area. Uh, What I heard was there was a car dealer in Covington, Mm -hmm. a luxury car dealer, and then a luxury car dealer in Montgomery. Well, the Montgomery dealer was geo-targeting the Covington auto dealership and sending uh, text messages and advertisements to people in that showroom on their cell phone. To go back um, to gain business back in Montgomery as compared to Covington. That's funny. I think another example I have is like when I go to the grocery store, and I scan my rewards card, I often get coupons that 
are interesting to me because I've bought in those products before. Do you think that is going to evolve at all? It's interesting. Uh, there's a lot of technology around facial recognition, and I could see it possible that grocery stores would uh, use a, a product like that to uh, give you an individual coupon while you're actually in the store. Mm -hmm. And it's they base that on, they recognized your face and you're, they know your buying patterns. So I also wanted to talk about infomercials because like in the early 2000s, infomercials used to be this groundbreaking concept where you would see a product being tested and used um, before you buy it on their specific campaign or commercial. But nowadays you have people that watch YouTube videos of the product before they buy it, they do their own research um, before completely committing. So they want to save, they want to save their money. So they don't waste, they don't waste money. So can you talk a little bit about um, why consumers care more nowadays about like trust and ethics as compared to when you were using infomercials in the early 2000s? Well, actually the infomercials go back to the late 80s. Uh, we started doing those for CompuServe uh, to get people to buy the product. Uh, but now with uh, review sites and people really uh, wanting to hear from uh, like-minded consumers rather than just hearing it from the uh, brand itself, um, I think marketing has um, evolved over time. It was features, benefits. Now I think it's cause-related. I think uh, companies like Patagonia, uh, Subaru, uh, the companies that say that they are doing something for the environment or the community, uh, which resonates with young uh, uh, consumers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in a previous episode, we talked about where it's no secret nowadays that people care way more about where their money is going as compared to previous times. So I like the term conscious consumership. And I feel like it has way more of a cultural value, anything in 2021, than when you compare it to buying those designer brands in the early 2000s and even in the 90s. And well, you just brought it up. These younger generations spend their money on brands that donate to those social causes, those justice reform organizations, as opposed to ones that don't or they don't even comment on that. So and as another example, we know that people are buying hybrids more than Lincolns or Cadillacs because they care way more about the environment than their image. So do you see that increase in cause-related actions taken by companies being the forefront in advertising? I think they'll have to. If they really want to keep their consumer base, uh, they will have to kind of change the way they market and do business. Uh, I know that a lot of young people, if they are looking for a job and there's a choice between a company that is cause-related uh, or one that's not, they would pick the one that's uh, showing that they are responsible for more than just selling a product. Mm -hmm. So I personally hope that these cause-related advertisements are here to stay for the future. And speaking of these trend projections, it's also no secret that at-home advertising on personal devices has dramatically increased. So now you have Instagram that now has a shopping section on their app that's at the bottom of the page, but you also have things like Hulu and Spotify that makes you listen to ads depending on your membership selection, which could leave radio ads as a second thought when you're crafting a campaign for your audience. So can you talk about that evolution and any other trends you continue to see in 2021? 
Well, I'd like to start off with um, how things were done prior to all of the social media outlets and prior to cable TV. If you wanted to reach 90 to 95% of the viewing audience, all you had to do was put a commercial at 6 o'clock p.m. on all three networks. But then as uh, TV progressed, cable became more and more of a viable uh, uh, mechanism for advertising, but they were specific to a particular audience. So you had ESPN, you had, um, which was obviously sports, you had CNN for news, and you had HBO for movies. So as that grew, and all of a sudden you had 30 or 40 different channels, maybe more, uh, and social media kind of follows that model, but more so. So you can really get specific to a group of people that are like-minded on Facebook or uh, YouTube. So would you say that there's almost this loss of national identity and commonality? I think so. I mean, it used to be the big shows, Johnny Carson, David Letterman, big audiences. Um, Ed Sullivan was a big thing. Uh, People watched the national news, which were only three networks. Uh, And people would talk about the shows because their choices were limited to those three networks. Mm -hmm. So now everything is getting fragmented, and people tend to want to hang out with people like them. So that fragmentation makes little mini groups uh, with uh, different types of uh, engagement. I think the only thing we have now that really kind of brings everybody together could very well be the Super Bowl and possibly the uh, Thanksgiving parade. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's so funny you bring up things like the Super Bowl and the Thanksgiving Day Parade, because those are only two examples nowadays where I could say all of America is watching the same thing. Whereas if you take those away, everyone is trying to search for the information that they want to receive. So to kind of switch gears a little bit, I'm sure that there are some media industry secrets for success that will forever be timeless, no matter what the current trend is. So what are some key pieces of advice that you have for agencies, for clients, and even for young people who are just starting out in marketing and communications? Well, I think for agencies, it is to take chances. Uh, Don't settle on the easy solution, the easy answer. Push the brand uh, to stand out uh, because if not, you don't want your commercial, your brand to be just confused because it's vanilla. So I would say take chances. for clients, I'd say accept those wild ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, let 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 the agency do their job. They know what they want to, what they need to accomplish. Uh, so I'd say to them, be open, be secure in your own brand that will allow you to expand. Mm-hmm. And lastly, was um, young people, people just getting into the industry. I will say this: I've been doing this since I was. Uh, I know, 24, 25, something like that. And I've had fun all these years. Uh, it's been, there are challenges, there are rewards, but all in all, it, it was always, couldn't wait to get into work. And I think part of it is, particularly when you're working for an agency, you're also learning different things all the time. Because you may work on an, one account for a long time, but you might be on another account as well. You have to learn what the, what the brand is as well or even better than the company knows it. So I've been, uh, I would encourage anybody young, if they're thinking about a career, go for it. Mm-hmm. 
what's the what's the sweaty quote that you like to say? Oh, okay. Uh, we used to have a, um, a quote. Basically, if you're creating something and the idea makes you sweat, it must be a good idea. It makes you sweaty and nervous, yeah. then you should go for that idea. Yeah, especially <laughs> if it makes you nervous. Mm-hmm. So that's, I love that it's a fun industry to be a part of, and I can completely agree being a young person in this profession. What do young people need to be aware of as they're navigating all these different clients, different campaigns? Um, maybe they're trying to navigate what job they want to do or what specific skill they want to pursue. Well, I think today and in the future, you can't be a specific skill. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to be a designer or a videographer or an art director or a writer. You have to have multiple layers because people are running lean and they would rather, uh, I'm sorry, companies are running lean and they would rather have uh, talent that, that they can do more than one skill, more mm -hmm. than one job. Just being versatile? Yeah, yeah. very much so. So if you knew if this is how marketing and advertising was going to be like when you graduated college in 1973, would you have still chosen this career path? Uh, it, I didn't really choose it. It kind of chose me. Okay. Um, I started working in retail um, for a local department store, hated the job, and uh, then took another retail job, uh, mainly because I needed work. Uh, and I got, I was told to start writing radio commercials and working with the radio stations and Back then, people would trade merchandise for airtime, and it was really kind of a <laughs> crazy time. Mm -hmm. And um, I was working with a gentleman at one of the radio stations, and he had told me that Stockton West Burkhart was looking for uh, a media buyer. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ad campaigns that you, or the ad agencies that you worked right, at. Right, yeah. right. And so I go down there, and I'm interviewing, and I find out the woman I'm interviewing with is this guy's girlfriend. Mm. So I... Uh, she offered me the job and I took it. And I guess once I got in, I didn't want to get out. So you said, hey, this is fun. I'm going to stay with it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, Mike, I'm thrilled we could have you on as our first guest for the year for the podcast. Thank you so much for even agreeing with this idea to have you on as a guest. And thank you so much for passing on the wisdom and experiences that you've had for, from all of us in BBB Marketing. Well, you're welcome. Now let's get back to work. <laughs> I'm Sarah Kemmerer from your local Better Business Bureau, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at BBB.org. So let me tell you a story, Sarah. <clears throat> uh, are you familiar with the Super Soaker Squirt Guns? Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh... The inventor of that came to Sive Y&R, which Sive was known for being a toy agency. They were Kenner Toys Agency for years and years and years. And when was this? This would have been, let's see, my son was five, so that would have been 93, maybe, around 93. Okay. Um, and uh, so Sive named it and uh, gave it its colors, did the whole branding, and started, and wanted to market it. So we were doing focus groups, and my son at the time was five or six, right around in there. And uh, instead of kind of squirting at the areas that we had set up mm -hmm. and see how the kids were playing with it, he turned around and squirted the CEO. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. 
that was fun. That sounds like a successful focus group to me. It was. <laughs> and the other part of that is, uh, after that meeting, uh, I, I took my family down to Myrtle Beach, and we took two prototypes. And so my kids were playing with these super soakers, and every kid in the hotel around the pool kept coming up wanting to know what it was. And, and I had parents come up to me and say, where did you get that? And I had to tell them that, well, it's not ready for the market yet, but will be soon. So you were the cool dad on vacation with all these fun toys. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.